Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with John Fortes today. You are going to learn so much from this episode, not only what the five top benefits to investing in real estate, but also the top five benefits to passively investing in real estate today. And you're also going to learn so much from an individual who has applied not only in stepping up his identity and really owning his habits and really letting curiosity and a commitment to learning and what that means to really building your wealth and building and designing a lifestyle that you have a desire for. So you're going to be able to apply that yourself. So I just want to welcome you to Elevate. I want to thank you so much for being here. And I want to ask you the question that I always ask, are you ready to take it to another level? We are absolutely going to be doing that today. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. This is for high performing real estate investors who have a burning desire to be even higher performing so that they can design their life so that they can design their circumstances so that they and you can really choose the way you're spending your time. And so I just think it's so exciting. It's so powerful to be here. It's so powerful to be able to share this with you. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, today, we will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, and so much more from an individual like John Fortes, so that you can understand, apply and believe that you can live a life without limits. And so that you can do the same or even more for yourself. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results through purposeful outcomes in real estate, personal growth, and other ventures, and most importantly, in their lives. If you're enjoying this podcast, we invite you to subscribe, follow us, give us a rating and review. It's extremely helpful, but it's also helpful for other people so that they understand the benefits of what they can get from this show. So pay it forward and give us a review and tune in because we're going to continue to bring the heat on a twice a week basis, sometimes even more. I'm going to continue to show up. Our team's going to continue to pour into you. And by the way, this is 100% free. Your fee is really just to pay this forward and to share this with one person. If you decide to pay it forward and share it with your entire network, you can certainly do that as well. But all we ask is just one person today. If you've always already introduced us to one other person, thank you. And we just ask you to do that one more time. And uh, this is all about referrals. Our business is about referrals. This podcast is about referrals. It's about giving and it's about pouring into other people. And so I just want to thank you so much for being here. And I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to John Fortes, who along with his wife, Jen, and their two beautiful children, a boy and a girl, a boxer and two cats, reside just south of Boston in the South Shore of Massachusetts. John Fortes, also known as the Passive Investor Consultant, founded the Fortes Company, which partners with working professionals seeking to invest in diversified commercial multifamily fund because they don't have the desire or time to own real estate and fully operate it. By leveraging John's experience in real estate investment firm, he has helped families invest in real estate investments that's allowed them to secure financial security, preserve and grow their wealth, as well as compound their investments as they achieve their financial independence. 
Today, John raises funds and acquires commercial real estate that allows investors to truly diversify their investment and create a stream of cash flow. He also consults with real estate investment firms and helps them start funds on their own through the fund rollout program. John is also the host of the Passive Investor Show podcast and showcases the value of real estate investment firms and is a true hands-off investing audio experience. The show has become one of the hottest real estate podcasts on iTunes for working professionals looking for a hands-off approach to investing in real estate syndications and funds through real estate investment firms. Although John loves spending time with his family, another fun fact about John is that he is also an NCAA men's basketball official. So you'll hear more about that and also some of the things that he's learned as being a high-level NCAA men's basketball official and how he's applying that to his life into his business and how you can really apply those learnings as well so that you can truly elevate to a life without limits. So really want to invite you to enjoy this amazing conversation with the great John Fortes. John Fortes. John, welcome to Elevate, sir. How are you? Hey, thank you for having me, man. And um, real quick before we get started, anybody who hasn't rated and reviewed this show, please do. It's an amazing show. Amazing show. Thank you for having me on. Man, that's amazing. Thank you so much for really doing that. And I did not ask you to do that. So I really appreciate that. And John, you know, you've really set the stage. I mean, just with that comment of just having a great conversation. So I just want to let you know how much I appreciate just you coming in with that giving energy, that giving heart. But John, I can't wait to really dive into your story and really get an understanding of of your upbringing, your background and and where you've come from. But while we do that, I'd love to know, if you were to describe yourself the way your spouse does, your closest friends, your family members, what would they say about John Fortes? I've never had to answer that in that way. But my wife, uh, man, my wife adores me just like I adore her. So, uh, man, uh, she I don't know. The one bad thing she probably say is probably the things that, you know, she lives with me. So she. We're, we're kind of, I don't know, the, the little things that, you know, bring together people and then you got whatever, all right, they do this and they do that. But other than that, man, I'm always trying to be an upbeat personality, upbeat energy level, upbeat uh, anything. Anything I'm trying to do is I'm really in tune with my energy. I'm really in tune with other people's energy. So if it's bad, I try to avoid it. I don't try to give information when someone's explaining something. I'm just trying to literally focus on listening more and more each day to people. And that's been hard in the beginning, but I'm learning and it's great. But I just want to put out great energy so people know me as, hey, man, that guy, he, he, he's not a drain when you leave. That's a big deal. And, um, you know, there's definitely, I think all the listeners can think of people that they know who are a drain. You can think of people who, you know, who really you leave an interaction with and your energy level just continues to spike or continues to grow as a result of that. And I think that's extremely powerful. It's one of those things you can't measure. And I love that you brought up that you're upbeat and you're in tune with that energy, but also focusing on the listening and focusing on listening to people better. I, I don't know about you, John, but the podcast in itself has required me to step up and be a better listener. Has that, has that done the same for you and your podcast as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's because here, here, right. We can't talk over each other. Just like sometimes we can interrupt or, 
or interject in a regular conversation. So it's really trained me and I'm sure it's trained you to wait till they finish. And then we can say, push back on anything or follow up on something or backtrack on something else. So absolutely. Yeah. And I got to give a shout out to your podcast as well, because the past passive investor show podcast, you've got to go check that out and you've got to go ahead and give that a rating and review as well, because I'm just going to throw back the good vibes to you, John, my friend right now, but I'd love to know, I mean, as, as you've, obviously grown in your career, there's a lot of things that you can, you know, wave the flag on and really point to and say there's a lot of success there. But what I'd love to go to before we talk about that is really your upbringing. I mean, what talk to me a little bit about your background and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, my parents came from Cape Verde. It's uh, off the west coast of Africa. And they came to America and did everything the right way. They They came as immigrants and got their citizenship. They you know, raised us, worked hard. And my mom always referenced real estate, but they never really did it. They did it out of accident. Like it was an accident, pure accident. So our, our home, we lived in a three family growing up and there was a fire that happened. And we have a lot of family members that are into construction so we used a good portion of the amount to purchase a new home while fixing the old one. And there was a lot left over. So my parents ended up renting that out and becoming accidental landlords to a point where my dad said, oh, da, 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 I'm done with this. Da, 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 I'm selling. So, <laughs> and that's fine. But it's one of those things as, as an investor, and I'm sure you do it, I do it everybody does it is if you sell an asset, you kind of monitor it over the years. So I've always monitored it over the years. That is Go so ahead. good. I'm so I've never heard anybody say it, but I do it subconsciously, I think maybe in some ways consciously, but keep going. That's amazing. No, I mean, so my parents cashed out at I don't know, um, two, three, I don't know. But years later, it sold for five. And then Oh my gosh. It, it's just insane. Right. So I still track it. So it's one of those things that, you know, the long-term hold is real beneficial for you until it's really time for you to exit. And for me to exit, I have to know what the next project is or, you know, kind of line something up, but going back to, to growing up, my mom always said, real estate, we should have flipped this house down the street. We should have did that. We should have did it. But your dad is a little timid about that. I never realized I was going to jump into real estate. Came out of necessity for me. I'm a basketball referee. I like to be available to be able to take games because we're independent contractors. So I'm trying to get to a D1 level or higher. And with that comes availability. So I have to create passive income. And I studied the stock market confusing to me still is I'm not a, a whiz at it buy low, sell high, but when, right. Mm -hmm. So doing that inside, of, I take those same concepts though, with real estate and sponsors know how to buy better than the average investor. Not all the time, but you know, a good amount of them, but also, you know, you're riding their track record and being able to go ahead and implement business plans. So I focus on what the underwriting piece is, and that's how I really earn my stripes in this. So 
I became a underwriting consultant for Michael Blanc. I just recently stepped down from that to focus on my, my firm. But let me back up just a little bit. First investment was a single family home, quickly scaled into 62 units, all because everything I was reading or hearing at that time was multifamily this, everybody eventually transitioned. So I said, I don't want to do 10 of these or even 20 with my wife total. Let's go ahead and jump into multifamily. Got some education, just started networking, 62 unit came, 41 units after that, 528 after that. And today now I'm raising, well, <laughs> um, I, I work that, and strictly out of funds. I raise out of my own personal funds for my company to go ahead and place it in diverse investors returns. That's amazing. What a trajectory. And you really think about obviously the purpose behind all of what you're doing. And, and as you continue to grow, you think back to the perspective that your parents had, which I think is really, really powerful. You're talking about, hey, your parents, you know, mentioned real estate so many times and they accidentally invested in real estate, which gave you maybe your first view into that, whether you're aware of it or not. And then looking back and saying, well, how does that trajectory how does that really manifest over decades and decades? And thinking about that long-term versus, hey, when do we exit? And I, I think that's a really, really powerful conversation to have. And maybe it is appropriate for us to have that at some point in this conversation. It's really top of mind for me because I've got a property right now that we're exiting after a couple of years. And I'm like, ah, oh, part of me says, hey, maybe we should hold on to this thing because there's no doubt. I mean, for the long-term, if you can hold on, you're typically going to see a continued rise. You're typically going to see appreciation. Now, not all past you know, results are indicative of the future results, but we know what we see in real estate. And so I think that's a really, really powerful distinction as well. And you talked about being an NCAA referee and doing real estate because you wanted to create passive income so that you could do what you love to do. Is that, is that what, am I saying that correctly? Is that what you love to do? And this, you want to create that lifestyle so that you can do that to a better capacity. Am I saying that right? Absolutely. I want real estate and like, I, I can do real estate from anywhere. And that's the beauty of it. So if I'm traveling to games, I, usually the games in the, in the conferences that I'm pretty much targeting are in my, you know, my market, my piece, MSAs that I'm looking at. So it's kind of fitting that I'll be able to walk assets and then, you know, stay a little bit longer between games and do things on the real estate side and even connect with investors. But it, that is my passion. It, it, both of them is actually my passion. I really, uh, I mean, you don't start a podcast because you, you, you just like it. You love it. Right. And the, another reason why I started a podcast too, is because I wanted to continue the education to my children. If something was to ever happen to me, they can go and listen to dad on the podcast and, you know, learn about real estate, learn about how to build a business, learn about how, how to do anything within this, in this space. So that, that was kind of an incentive for me. So it keeps me whole and honest to keep creating, but also it keeps me busy when I'm not focused on, on the basketball court as well. Yeah. And, and I'm really glad that we're having this conversation for many reasons. Number one is because I'm a huge basketball fan myself. So that's amazing. And I love to hear that you are contributing in that capacity. You're living your dream, but you're also giving. And actually, I got chills when you were talking about, you know, what you just said about giving to your children and the purpose behind your podcast and sharing that education. 
and all of the different layers to that. I want to talk a little bit about passive investing, but before we go there, as an NCAA referee, are there any lessons that you've learned that have been applicable to your life as well as your business just from surrounding yourself in that environment? <laughs> Absolutely. Communication. And the reason why is I have to know how to answer a, or respond to a coach regarding the rules and how I adjudic adjudicated the rule in that situation. And he might not agree with me. And sometimes it might've been a mistake for me, right? Try to minimize those as much as possible by training and going to educational camps. But communication is so huge. And to correlate that with real estate, you have to be a really great communicator with your investors too. So it goes hand in hand as well as the players on the court. So, yeah. No, that's important. I mean, I think about like one of my personal core values is over communicate. Because if you think that someone else knows what you know, most likely that may or may not be true. Most likely it's probably not true. So let's operate with the assumption that it is not true and that they don't understand what's going on. So I want you to be annoyed with me because I've told you five times or I've asked you five times to make sure that X, Y, and Z is completed, or I've communicated with you, Hey, here's what's going on at the property that you've invested in. And I think that's so valuable. So you mentioned communication. Are there any other meta lessons that you've learned just as being a referee that you've applied as well in your business or life? Yeah, I always have to learn. Uh, I'm always learning. Like I mentioned, educational camps. So with real estate, I always have to learn and having conversations like these, even with people that come on the podcast, like you, people that come on your show, listening to your show, I get some insight from who's doing what, how they're doing it, and what's worked versus what's not worked. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it goes hand in hand, man, you want to be right on the court, you want to be accurate when you make a call when you blow the whistle, you, you just don't want to blow for blow just to, you know, stand out. Because when you blow the whistle, guess what? All the eyes come on you. Everybody looks at you. So you better know what you're calling. And that, you know, as a sponsor, if something's going on in the, in the property, all eyes are on you. That's, that's pretty much, hey, no communications going out. Uh, where's the distributions? Like, if you're ever experiencing that, obviously, all eyes are going to be on the sponsor. God forbid you you experience that, but just just using that as an example, you have to have the answers ready. You have to be uh, just like you over communicate. Is there's nothing wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Being, you know, explaining what's going on, or even hedging questions before you anticipating them before they're coming out. You can get on top of that. You already know what to look for. So yeah, yeah. over communicate. No, that's really good. And, and the always learning piece to me really resonates because our world changed so rapidly. It changes so rapidly. Every single day, there's a new set of circumstances and something new to learn. And I think that's really powerful drawing the distinction from being a referee and also being a sponsor because the spotlight is on you. It almost puts the pressure on you to learn in a great way because you're dealing with other people and your decisions impact other people. So I think that's really, really powerful. And all the listeners who are listening today can understand that there are a set of people that they're responsible for, or there's a set of outcomes that they're, they're holding themselves responsible for and or other people are looking to them to say, hey, I'd like to see you step up to the plate and be a leader so that we can either look at that and say, hey, I'm a victim of this and there's a lot of pressure on me and I feel stressed out. Or I can look at this and say, 
I'm a victor. I get the opportunity to let this pressure cooker take me into a new direction and to become the greatest version of myself and continue to let this serve me. So I think that's really, really powerful from a mindset perspective. And how do we look at this? What is our perspective on the matter? Are we looking at this as, hey, I'm overwhelmed or this is giving me really the, the motivation to do what's necessary to learn and to grow and to make effective and precise decisions. So, you know, you are really, as far as I'm concerned, known as like the passive investor expert really out there. I mean, like you're the guy who speaks to passive investors. So I'd really love to go there. Obviously, you talked about lifestyle and the way that you're developing your life specifically and how you're also helping other people, you know, develop their own lifestyle. But from your perspective, what are the greatest benefits of passively investing in real estate? There's five of them. And I did not come up with these, but it, uh, Keith Weinhorn did. And he's, he's an amazing, amazing person to, you know, even figure this out, right? So there's appreciation, right? We don't buy for appreciation, but obviously real estate appreciates. Historically, it's 6% a year. And then there's cash flow, you know, rent minus the expenses equals residual, residual income. And then we got the loan pay down, the tenants pay the rent and the tax benefit. It's the mortgage interest deductions, depreciation, everything offset in the income generated from the asset. And then the inflation. Inflation is about 2% a year. So the same way inflation eats away at your savings account and the bank account, if you're just saving at a less than 1% rate, inflation is eating away at that. Think about an interest-only loan that inflation is eating away at that in five years it's worth less in five years than it is yesterday right yeah no that's i mean that there couldn't be a more relevant part of our conversation today than inflation right you think about all the different factors that are happening in our economy globally domestically and what have you i mean inflation is certainly a factor that's got to play into the decision making of any investor so i love that i'm just going to recap that appreciation cash flow, loan pay down, tax benefit, and inflation. And I would venture to uh, endeavor to say, you know, those benefits also are related directly to just real estate investing in general, whether you're passive or active. So talk to me about, you know, from the passive investors perspective, why do you feel it's maybe more advantageous for certain individuals to be passive investors rather than active um, in particular? I'll, I'll actually answer that from my experience because my curiosity takes me down avenues that uh, it's just curious to me and I love to learn. And then I ended up getting sucked in and build a relationships. And I love that aspect of it. Right. So if I were to start over again, for some reason, I would just be passive in all my deals. But the fact that I've grown all these networks and relationships I'm asked to participate on the sponsor side and that's a blessing for me, but my focus would have been in the past, just basketball refereeing, passive investing and looking for the right operators and sponsors because one, I want my time and I don't want to continue to connect with brokers and build a relationship with a new broker in this market and keep doing it on my own, similar to how everybody else does it, right? whether it's residential or, or commercial, it, it's still an ex exhausting 
you know, an, an exhausting job to constantly do over. But if I had a trusted sponsor, and what's funny is I was just so naive to not even look at the passive investing side because I was JVing and then learning about syndication and dissecting that general partnership and limited partners. And then all of a sudden, the opportunity started coming. And at, at I mean, the whole time I should have just been focused on passive investing and finding that. But the thing about real estate is it's so many different facets and, and ways to get in it and stay in it, but also ways to invest in it. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital. It's a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I wanna invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, I think it's it's so important. And um, there's so many different ways that you can be involved in real estate investing. And of course, there's pros and cons to every single side of the business, right? And so I think education, learning, having that curiosity, as you described, to me is kind of like the basis and the foundation, which is really why, you know, Elevate is all about personal growth, and investing in yourself and also building, you know, a capacity to develop this appreciation, cash flow, loan pay down, tax benefit and inflation protection, because the combination of those two things can give you an ability to design a life, right? If you want to go and be a referee, if you want to go and do things that you love to do and continue to challenge yourself, you can do that through this avenue. So I think it's really, really important. You know, it's so interesting, John, I was actually having a conversation this morning with a passive investor that's considering investing with us in one of our deals right now. And, and he's newer, he's newer on the, um, the spectrum in terms of passive investing. And he was asking me some questions about the deal. And he was asking me about, you know, our portfolio and our experience and all of these things. And, and I found it to be really fascinating. And I found it to be that he was doing a great job and doing due diligence, his own due diligence on the deal, you know, our team and all of that. Could you talk a little bit about due diligence as a passive investor and really how that manifests and what you would suggest to folks who are either experienced or new to passive investing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I always, obviously after I vet the sponsor, right? And I'm built, I've already built that relationship and now the investment opportunity has come. I understand that the underwriting, you have to be semi-conservative, but yet semi-aggressive to be able to take down a deal, 
And anybody that immediately says this is 100% or extremely conservative, uh, in my book, it doesn't exist because you have to be some, you have to do, you have to meet in the middle with both of those. Now, what I ask is how real, I just sent a, a list of questions to a, another group that we were, we're ready to partner with. And some of those questions was regarding the business plan, the underwriting, the market. And I, I realistically understand this question. And I know the answer to this is, what are the chances of it failing? What are the chances of it succeeding? And it's just a question just to ask, to learn a little bit more about the sponsor. Now, I know the answer to that. It's, I could lose it all. It could be mediocre. It could be a winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> At the end of the day, I want to know what Tyler's going to tell me when I ask that question. Mm. You want to get into their thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Because I want to know, are they flight or, fight or flight? Are mm. they going to fight in this to keep it going? Or is it, you know, how smart are they going to be about obstacles and challenges and I don't want to partner with someone that is going to be all right at the, at the, you know, first issue that is above uh, or wasn't anticipated. All right, let's, uh, let's run from this and, right. and sell, or how do we avoid it? I, I want, I want some sort of a response or answer to how you are going to approach something that, interrupts the business. Yes, I love that. And you know, what really resonates with me there is this business is almost like the core of the business is solving problems. It's anticipating problems. It's solving problems. It's mitigating those problems. It's it's not avoiding them because you're never going to avoid them. I love that question, though. It's like, hey, what do you what do you anticipate, you know, about this deal? And what's the good, bad and the ugly? And I love just thinking about what are those answers? And getting an understanding of how will this person deal with challenge, because there's no doubt there's going to be challenge. I don't know about you, John, but I've, I've never had, I've not had one deal where there hasn't been some challenge, right? And, and obviously it gets, it gets easier, it gets better as you build your team, as you build your experience, but understanding that and anticipating that I think is really important. That's another reason why I find it to be so important to have conversations like this, and to also have conversations with yourself and understand how are you dealing with your emotions? You know, we have people on the show who talk about emotional intelligence. We have neuroscientists on the show. And sometimes people may say, well, what's the point of really understanding your brain or what's the point of understanding your emotions? This is it right here. Uh, because when the challenges come, you now know what you're dealing with and now how you can make a measured decision. But I think measuring that within other people as you consider being a passive investor is so powerful. And the other thing that I find to be really important, you know, is that underwriting, you mentioned something about, hey, we've got to be conservative, but we also have to be aggressive. I find that to be so on point, especially in this market, because if you're too conservative, you're not going to win any deal. But if you're too aggressive, you're going to set yourself up for failure. I was actually having this conversation recently with someone else. And they said, hey, how conservative are you in your underwriting? I said, we're conservative, but we're also precise. That's the other thing we have to be precise. Because if not, not only are we not going to win the deal, 
you know, but that's going to set us up for a lot of challenges. But I would be curious yourself as someone who's, you know, not only been an underwriting consultant for others and, and someone who's done so many deals yourself, you know, what do you make, what's your take on what makes a good deal versus a bad deal? I know it's a very general question, but where does your mind take you? The best underwriters are not so much good underwriters. The best underwriters are the ones that really, really are in tune with their market and they're not guessing on cost of repairs or, or just putting a placeholder uh, such as, you know, we'll turn this unit at five, 5,000 a unit. I mean, if you can really hone in into those numbers, like, cause you know the market and say your market is Florida and you, you know, central Florida, and you understand that it's going to take uh, 6,300 per unit to turn and you'll get a, you know, you're under rents already because you know that down the street is getting this or, you know, you really familiarize with the market. You understand how you can pump rents, when you can bump, when you can turn. Sometimes uh, what a lot of people don't, a lot of passive investors are surprised about when we put on our newsletters is we didn't have to use, turn the unit over to get a, a rent increase because we asked first and they renewed. And with a tenant like that, sometimes you don't go all the way up to market, but getting anything above what they what you went in at is a win to the NOI. And that's a good thing because you're turning or increasing rents at a I guess at a small increment, but not having to do much out of your operating account. So, you know, when that unit eventually comes available, if it ever does and you're holding, you've already probably gradu gradually brought them up to market rate and you've increased NOI and you've saved on your, your operating uh, account. I really like that tip. You know, I haven't heard anybody describe it in that capacity where, you know, at the end of the day, the, the philosophy is ask first, right? Ask first before you do something. And you you might be surprised to feel, you know, find the information that you will be given from that tenant or that resident. It almost goes back to the earlier part of our conversation talking about communication, you know, asset management and execution on a business plan. Communication is of the utmost importance as well. And so before you spend money on the unit, let's find out how does this resonate with our customer? Because at the end of the day, the success of our customer, the success of our resident, the success of our tenant will lead to the success of our project, of our business, of our team, of our investors. And so it's like you're almost getting to the root cause. Are there any other tips that you would have for folks to really maximize you know, their, their capacity of their deal similarly? Yeah, so sometimes if you know a... a a, a tenant's very much under, rent, uh, under market rate rent, have a unit ready. Say, look, we have a unit here. This is market rate rent. And then the gradual rate increase if they stay. Meaning, so if it's a $200 market rate bump or 150 or $100, so $900 to come in here, uh, $800 to stay where you are. You know, pick your poison give them options so that they feel like they're going to select the right one for them. That, that really helps. And if you ever purchase anything with uh, monthly, like everybody's on monthly, on monthly leases, 
and you know you're renovating, do not start a project till you renovate either by building, if you got three buildings, building one, three months out, uh, sign three month leases with them and then sign six month leases with the other or six and nine and then renovate building one. Mm -hmm. That's if you're having a huge massive project, but always stagger leases if everyone's on a monthly monthly lease. Because if they see that you immediately started breaking ground on building one, everybody might just flee to somewhere else. And now you cannot break even in some sort of capacity. So that's another tip too. And that comes from personal experience. I was going to just, I, I was literally about to say, it sounds like this is coming from personal experience, maybe from a negative standpoint, you learned the hard way. Yeah. And luckily, luckily we are about to exit and man, I don't know how, but we didn't <laughs> lose money on this deal. Um, it was a lesson that we're going to make 9% on our money for two years investing. And so going back, my line is beating inflation 1% at a time. And I beat inflation, even only earning 9% in two years. That's so, great. Uh, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So, so I guess just walking through that really quickly. So you actually, so you, let's just give the example. So you brought, bought a property. How many buildings did it have? Three. Three. So there's three buildings. Yeah. So what did you actually do that, that obviously showed that the tenants were going to leave and go elsewhere? We didn't stagger the leases. We kept everybody on monthly ah. and then we started working on building one and then tenants started leaving. So four capital calls later, um, something that no one's ever, they, everybody said it's impossible. We went from bridge debt to bridge debt. Um, because as we were renovating, we were, as we were renovating units, we were also leasing them up when they were available. And we got to about like 40 something percent and another lender came in and said, okay, we can do this. And we value it at this. And we're like, great boom. And we went from bridge to bridge and everybody told us it's impossible. We kissed a lot of frogs by speaking to a lot of different lenders. That was, that was pretty humbling, but also mm -hmm. a great experience because it just taught you to know how to ask and refine your approach and um, to give, to give lenders like, Hey, it's worth a look, take a look. Yeah, no, that's, re that's really powerful. I think the resourcefulness and the persistence of that type of circumstances is, is definitely something to admire. Um, you know, how did that feel in the moment? I mean, obviously, you didn't anticipate that challenge. But how was that for you as the sponsor of that deal? It's, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. But um, another thing that we should have did too, is for instance, I'll use this as, as an example for roofs, right? We got three, three buildings, hire two companies, building, company one to do building one, company two to be, do building two, and say whoever comes in at the best quality at our budget, no hire, we'll get building three. And then let them, you know, competition is good for everything. Mm, I like that. Incentivize too, 
right? Incentivize yeah. your yep. your team for performance. At the end of the day, it is all about the outcome, right? We're not task focused, we're outcome focused, especially as investors. I think that's extremely powerful. How did you manage your mindset in that circumstance? Because obviously, I'm sure your mind was telling you, hey, you know, we're, this is bad, you know, this is horrible. We got capital calls, like this is really challenging. How did you manage your mindset? I don't know. I went back to like my basketball playing days and was like, man, we're down 20. We can come back. You know, <laughs> when you're down 20, like we can come back on these fools. Come on. We could do that. Like, <laughs> you yes. know? So what, you know, you, I do a lot of question asking and other people that have done it, other people that are working at a higher level than me, just asking them one question, Hey, experience in this, boom, boom, boom. What, what would you do? Mm. And this is what we, so it's the way you ask too. Right. So, Tyler, um, we're going through this situation. Here's what we've done. Is there anything you think we're missing? And it's the way you ask the question is the way you'll get the response. That is so good. And it just highlights how important network is in relationships. Because I can tell you from experience myself as well, one of the first deals I ever did, I had a lot of challenges and I did not have that network. I didn't have the network of people that I could ask, is there anything that I'm missing? Or is there anything else that you you would suggest for me? And, and I was also, I, I feel like I was um, you know, nervous to even ask that question because I didn't want people to know that I didn't know everything. But I've recognized through the years that the people that ask these questions are typically the ones who are, you know, they have the desire to be better and to grow and to overcome challenges because it's inevitable. We're all going to encounter these challenges. So thank you for giving us that gift of reminding us to ask powerful questions. And when we have a challenge, you know, go out and get resourceful and ask and start asking and start, you know, giving people the incentivized uh, opportunity to serve our ends and our outcomes. But John, I want to switch gears just a bit because this has been an amazing conversation. I'd love to talk a little bit about your fund now. Could you talk to me a little bit about the strategy and and what that looks like? Yeah. So in the past, uh, it's always been uncomfortable with the feeling of growing someone else's investor base because, you know, for the simple fact that if I'm partnering with, you know, sponsor A, my investors have to still sign up on their investor portal to retrieve tax documents because at the end of the day, we don't want to pass those through too many layers before they get to the investors. So it's cleaner for them to get it off the sponsors uh, that I'm partnering with portals. To avoid that, we now, we now create funds and we get to partner with investors and the, the use of the fund, once it's capped, we start another fund, but it, it provides true diversification. Yes, you kind of are as an investor, investing as a, in a blind fund, but ours are very detailed and specific, meaning we're multifamily f- investment firm only. We don't do self-storage. We don't do ground up development. We don't do mobile home parks. So investors get to leverage our experience of our partnerships in the past where we've basically onboarded in my relationships with sponsors for my preferred sponsorship teams that we have. I've had relationships with them before even investing in any deals with them for a year. So investors get to leverage that through my firm. It's easier to track. 
because we update all of the assets that we invest in. So our fund, we're looking at no less than three deals to be involved with. Um, this is what we do. And then as we create higher funds, we talk about what's our minimum investment for each fund. So that's, that's another thing. When we create one and say it's 15 million or 20 million, what are we type? What are we looking to do? Put five million in each deal, so we'll be in four deals. So investors will be truly diversified. We do provide K ones from all the deals that funnel back to the fund, back to the investor. So it's easier instead of an investor go ahead and saying, "Yes, I have two hundred thousand, and I'll invest it in four different deals at fifty k a pop." That means they're gonna take the time to review those four different deals probably reviewing a total of five deals or more during each evaluation period. And then they have to retrieve four K-1s at the end of the year. So make it simpler, cleaner, and easier to track for investors. It does have its cons though. Um, the cons, you know, you, you, you don't know the deals going in and you kind of have to know the markets that the sponsor's looking to invest in if it's one of your target markets. And, you know, it's, it, 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 those are the, the cons too. Uh, a lot of people like to say, what's the difference between a REIT? We do pass down the tax benefits with the investors. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And I, I'm glad that you brought up the pros and the cons. And, and obviously, when I think about the the benefits of investing in a fund, obviously, you've got the diversification that you just talked about. But also, I see it, in, especially in this marketplace, as a huge competitive advantage for investors to go ahead and really, you know, put some strength behind, you know, buying opportunities, because obviously there's a ton of competition out there. So there is benefit in investing in a fund in terms of obviously exposure to multiple assets. But also, if you think about it in the long run, you're probably going to be making perhaps some more aggressive buys, which is always, which is always important. So is there anything else that you would add in terms of, of benefits to investing in a fund like this? Yeah, absolutely. The, I know I hit on the diversification, but if one of your deal by deal investments goes bad, and let's just say you put all that 200,000 into one deal and it goes meh or bad, you know, then, then you lost out. But if you had it in a fund and even one of those deals didn't pan out, a lot has to happen for the fund not to uh, basically perform the way it's expected. So a fund could, could, could carry a, a one bad deal. Not that we're looking to get one bad deal, but if one bad deal out of the three goes bad, the fund can carry it. And I'm pretty sure it can based off of my evaluation. I had to create my own calculator to be able to reverse engineer the process because I wanted to understand it first. I wanted to understand how the deals would work and fit into the fund. And there was no calculator out there for me to, to purchase. So I had to go and create it myself. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things where my curiosity took me down this road and boom, but that's another benefit where, um, the, the fund can carry a bad deal if it if there was one verse if you invested that 200k into a 
bad deal yourself. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that resonates with me about what you, what you just described is using your background and being resourceful with that background, because we haven't talked about this, but you were an IT pro also. Um, and, and so using that experience and applying that towards what do you need in terms of a resource, but using your resourcefulness to develop that. So I think that is a very powerful distinction that all of the listeners can really step up to the plate and say, hey, well, what is my experience? What's my unique experience? What other questions can I ask of others to bring in their unique experience and coalesce that resourcefulness towards the outcome that I'm looking to accomplish? So I think all of that is extremely powerful. But John, this has been an amazing conversation. I really have learned a lot. And I've my, my curiosity is continually stoked. And, and I want to continue to you know, go down that path. And I want to transition into our rapid fire section, we call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's about having, you know, really an uncommon conversation like we've had today and making decisions that really sets you up to design your life as you have really exhibited for us. So John, I'd love to ask you a few things. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what comes to mind? Well, what's funny is I'm I just started Atomic Habits and so far I've already, it's, it's amazing. Um, Great book. I agree. <laughs> man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm like an hour in and I'm already like, I'm, I'm ready. I can't wait to get to the end. Um, so what habits are you developing as a result? Just curious. I'm working on basically um, the way I, uh, what's it called? The way I um, view myself. Yes. Or, or the way he puts it, it's, it's insane. And then the incremental compounding little things each day. And that's just off the beginning of the book. It's amazing, amazing. And then my other favorite book that really, really helps me, and you'll hear why, is it's called The Third Door by Alex Benayan. And the book is about, you know, I'll use this example. So you pull up to the club, you wait in line like everybody else, and maybe you get into the club. Person two pulls up to the club, VIP, parks, pulls up front, gets out the car, hands valet the keys, walks right into the club. Person three goes to the back door. I mean, goes to the back, hops through the window, walks through the door in the VIP lounge. How do you third third door your way back into things? And, mm. you know, it's through conversations, it's through meeting people, it's how can you figure out a way that, yes, everybody else is going this way, but what would be a, another way to do something? That's so good. So good. I'll have to check that book out. I've not uh, read that myself. We'll put links in the show notes of both books you just described. But I just think about, you know, the visualization of every building. And this is a hypothetical this is a metaphor. Every building has multiple doors, right? You don't have to go through the front door. So what are some alternative strategies or approaches that you can take to get to the other outcome and, and get to the outcome that you desire. So I just find that to be really fascinating. And then I think about habits and I love that you're reading about both of these things because you're really shaping your mindset and your identity. At the core, we are driven by our identity and our identity is really constructed by habits. It's constructed what, with what are we doing on a daily basis? And I think about, you know, 40 to some, some studies say even 80% of what we do on a daily basis comes down to our habits. So I think it's really powerful that when you bring that subconscious to the conscious, what power that gives you and what control that gives you on your future, because our future is determined as far as I'm concerned with the habits that we create. So thank you for bringing that up. And uh, 
you know, John, I'd love to know what is the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? I try to find time for myself and that's whether it's exercising, reading, I try to dedicate at least, I try to get an hour to myself a day. That, that's, that's, that's been helpful. One hour a day. I like that. That's a good rule of thumb. And uh, something that we can all, you can all find an hour in a day, right? Everybody's, of course, we're all busy, but it's about how committed are you? How committed are you to your future? And are you going to make an excuse or are you going to create the time? So I just, I love that. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, John? Man, my energy. I try to keep a positive energy, positive vibe, try to help when I can. If I can support you, please allow me to. There's no doubt in my mind you do that. And uh, you've done that today, John. This has been an amazing conversation. I just really thank you so much. And I'd love to know, you know, do you have any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for Elevate Nation today? Man, um, I think we talked about everything. I, I'm tapped out. I got nothing. <laughs> just keep learning, man. Learning, learning's key. And when we're kids, we just want to make sure we just have fun and play and keep a kid-like mindset. I think that's important too. That's what I'm trying to focus on too. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to do that as well. But, um, you know, I tell you, this has been a great conversation. I've learned so much. And um, I think that this conversation reminds me that when we learn, you know, there's things that we don't know the path that we're going down. But when we start to uncover that, it gets more and more exciting. And that curiosity continues to drive us in the direction of our dreams. So follow that desire, follow that curiosity, that interest, and it will let it will let that path unfold for you. But man, I love to hear that we maxed out our time together and that you've really laid it out all for us, John. This has been a pleasure. It's been an absolute honor for me. But John, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and what you do. Yeah, uh, podcast is Passive Investor Show. We're on all podcast formats, wherever your favorite platform is. You can find me there. Social media, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere there, Passive Investor uh, or Passive Investor Show. And johnfortes.com. And if you want my calculator for measuring your, your returns, go to projectedreturns.com. That way you can compare your sponsors and verse actual returns. And then, you know, even compare sponsors and markets up to your five latest deals that you're involved in. So yeah, that's, that's something I created too. <laughs> Beautiful. What a creator and what a giver. John Fortes, everybody. John, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you. Ooh, Elevate Nation. That was amazing with Mr. John Fortes. I want to tell you that uh, he definitely brings the good vibes, the good energy. And I, I'm sure you could feel that uh, through listening to the show or watching the show. But I just honor him so much. And I'm just so thankful that we had the opportunity to speak with John because not only is he a wealth of, of energy and good vibes, but he's a wealth of information and insights in terms of how to take your investing career to the next level and how to take your passive investing interest to the next level so that you can design your life. I just, I really love this show and I wanna encourage you to re-listen to this show because there's so much that you can apply. There's so many ideas, tips, tricks, mindset, habits that you can apply to your life immediately. So I wanna encourage you to re-listen to this show and identify what are your top three takeaways that you can apply immediately and share those with a friend, share those with your business partner, your business partners, your teammates, your family members, your spouse, share this with someone that you care about 
And ultimately, of course, at the end of the day, the most important piece is to take massive action. So Elevate Nation, I want to encourage you to go out there and apply what you learned today. And until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.